Do you find yourself swept away by the constant change and turmoil around you? Whether personal or professional, these challenges can keep us from living a life of peace and productivity. I'm Liz Hurl, a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist, and I want to show you data-driven strategies to help bring stability and peace to your life. Welcome to the Anchored in Chaos podcast. Welcome back, Dr. Caldwell. And everyone. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. Always happy to be here. Yeah. So, um, so I might as well live here. Well, I feel like I do. Yeah. I, 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 between, yeah. I literally live here. Like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> it's quite the endeavor that it is, I never it is. imagined. It's fun, though. It, it's been a lot of fun. Is it? It's becoming more fun. Maybe. It's a lot of work. We're getting better at it. We appreciate your patience. We do. If you're still listening, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got today? I wanted to kind of go over, I was having a conversation with you, as do many of our episodes spur mm -hmm. out of this, of what it takes for an individual to look at themselves. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of my side of the house today of the psychotherapy approach yeah, and what do individuals struggle, is, struggle in with self-healing yeah. and what it takes to be able to do that is quite significant. So mm -hmm. the idea, as you said, is cord a, a little bit, how did you say that this morning when I said wrestling with your soul? What did you call that? Wrestling with yourself. No, that I one? said, it's like wrestling with your soul. You said that's Jordy, Jordan. Oh, it's very Jordan-esque. Jordan-esque of that's me. It's very Jordan-esque yeah, of well, you. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't intentional. Yeah. But. It is. It is. He's a psychotherapist too, so. I'm quite aware. You're in good company. I, oh, he's way, way ahead of my company. <laughs> You're in, in good company. <laughs> but anyhow, I wanted to have a further conversation. So I posed some questions and yeah. for you to. Yeah. We went over these things and we formulated some questions. I'm going to bounce them off you and I, you do the very best you can. This is not a deposition. You're okay. Just, <laughs> we just roll with the punches. I do appreciate it. And I, I want to know how you define the concept of self-healing in psychotherapy. Well, the idea when someone wants to come into therapy, I think that they don't realize that's actually what they're going to maybe address first is their self-healing idea. Mm -hmm. That isn't the idea. It's whatever the five alarm fire is that's going on in their life currently. Mm -hmm. And having you as um, a clinician or a therapist, psychologist, whatever you know, title or education that you have, how you're directing that individual back to self is one of the it's attacked and it's challenging because it's very hard holding up that mirror when you don't want to really just kind of come in and say, oh, so these sound like some really significant issues you are struggling with or you're having as an individual when it's initially, you know, presentation of these are the outside sources that are coming in. In, the, attacking. in that capacity, in that role, why is it so important that you direct it towards the the patient realizing that it's them that Client-centered. It's this client-centered self-healing. Why is it so important? Because that's where it really all started. Mm -hmm. Even though the journey of the individual, their traumatic situations, and we'll talk more about the trauma word. That is a pretty hot word right yeah, now. Yeah. But that is what people have is mm -hmm. traumatic incidences in their life and situations mm -hmm. and abusive you know, dynamics that created so, the self that they are. Yeah. So the self-healing can be used as a tool in, in their approach towards self-healing. What how can you empower your clients to do that? Well, I think the hardest thing and the most, I mean, it sounds kind of cliche, but the courageous thing to do is to identify that it actually starts with myself. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot more comfortable for individuals to come in and say, you know, these X factors outside of my life, work, relationships, people, you know, interactions are the outside stressors that are activating me and making me respond in this manner. And I'm really, I'm really not a bad guy or a bad woman or a bad person or whatever you want to say. And, or why do I think this way? And then go into some really just unhealthy self-talk about who you are. So trying to get away from all of that, I'm not trying to venture off to what from your question, Yeah, is getting them back on, okay, hey, I always say at the end, be compassionate. Sure. That doesn't sometimes even enter into an individual's thought process. So how do you assist them? How do you assist them through that process? Then? It's the diving into them. It's going through their history of their life mm -hmm. of not just, you know, and it's interesting that when you say that, you know, meeting a, a client where they're at currently, it's so much bigger than that. It, whatever presenting, you know, 
we, we've problem talked, that they're we've having. We've talked about that meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. It is. It's you're being able to say, all right, let's kind of do some stabilization right sure. here and kind of see what's going on. Other factors that are kind of activating that, and then, but this is a. I always encourage and understand. This is a deeper piece mm-hmm. than you might not realize. And now I know that there's a. a I don't know if it's bad rap or whatever you want to call it, but that therapy gets on, oh, I don't want to go through all my history and all my life things. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But I'm not saying that we have to, you know, dismantle your entire life. Right. But we do have to find some key factors sure, that sure. represent this behavioral reaction, this cognitive process that's affecting you at a very negative level. Sure. And that reluctance to share really it limits my availability to parse out the things that are significant and not significant. You may be tired of, maybe you've got a history of therapy. Maybe you're tired of telling that story. However, oh, absolutely. I've never heard it. And if you could boil it down for me, I'll do the very best, very best I can to help. I did, we can together identify these are critical points in that timeline, right? Mm-hmm. The chronological. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So saying that, yeah. um, there is a tool that licensed marriage and family therapists use called the genogram. Mm-hmm. It's basically a timeline of an individual's life that share this is we'll talk about this too yeah well well, subject and it it gives you insight without necessarily having to go into all the nest i mean you eventually get into some credits but you get the highlights of what's going on in an individual's Mm -hmm. life and it's a significant tool Mm -hmm. for a psychotherapist to use to kind of gain a lot of information especially initial intake and things of that nature yeah to address some of the Highlights that people are like, oh, I never, I forgot about this and I forgot about that. And those well, you, pop. so I understand that you'd run up against some people who maybe they have a past history or just maybe it's a reluctance to share with a psychotherapist or somebody who's there for them. Are there any common challenges that you'd see? Any characteristics that you'd see about people who are reluctant to share with you? Shame. 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 I, they don't yeah. know me and they're so in, internally, you know, yeah. you know, unkind to themselves that revealing that to someone else, even though there's the idea that, you know, should be that you're releasing incredible information. And you know how I feel about this, and I will speak to this more. I am very passionate about the position I hold when I'm sitting across from someone and releasing that information to me and being delicate and taking that information seriously and compassionately and, you know, just you're just very aware and someone's reluctant to do that because you know it's like i don't want them to know i think this or i've done this or these things have happened to me or i've done these things so it's a and i'll speak to this and i don't know if this is coming up at therapeutic alliance getting in, to know your therapist or your clinician in a way that you feel like this is someone that you know i can release all this yeah. to and they can hold this for me as we <clears throat> process through something yeah. and that is very much so crucial to any type of treatment. I've had individuals that, you know, it's like, well, I don't really mesh with, you know, the, I always say like, yeah, of course it happens with every aspect of your life. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes you have, it's, this isn't the same, but there's a comparison, I guess. When you think about like, you're with friends that have friends and you're like, I don't even know how they're friends. Cause I don't even get it. You know, like I don't mesh with those people and it's not necessarily, it's a personality difference. Yeah. Same thing. You know, yeah. a clinical approach can be a little different. A clinical personality can be off and say, you know, that that's just not my thing. But you have to, I really encourage people, individuals seeking therapy to speak up. Don't just roll. Well, like, I think it's going to eventually get better because there's this internalization like, well, I'm already the problem. So yeah. it can't be the therapist yeah. or the, you know, the individual, the professional across from me. Actually, it could just be just a vibe that's not gelling and you kind of need to address it. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is, it's important that it's important that the relationship between both physician or treating therapist and their patient that you have a good rapport, yeah. and that the, the trust is legal, moral, ethical, all the above, all of the above, mm-hmm. right? And you can't disclose, and you'll never disclose, and it's up, it's up to the therapist and the patient what bond they form there about how much disclosure happens there, but. You need to know that when you see your psychotherapist, you have the ability to spill your guts. Mm -hmm. The more, the better, usually, right? Mm -hmm. The therapist will help guide that thing. Well, that's interesting, but let's stay on topic. Which Um, is their job. Which is their job, right. Because that's exactly right. And that's important. I think it is. It it would be on my side of the house. Not everybody likes, you know, 
everybody wants something different, right? Oh, yeah. Um, no, not everybody's going to like me as a trainer because of the way I train, but that's just the way it is. I shared that with you <clears throat> as well. And that is, I've shared with anyone that sits across from me that the understanding that I may not be the best fit for you. And that's okay. Like, this is not a personal interaction yeah. of, oh, I really hope you like me. Right. It's, you know, I... I want to make sure that I am, you know, the well-suited for you as you are well-suited for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. But take, which then t- takes us then to the, the mind-body connection, mm, right? So yes. in the practice of how you incorporate the self-healing through mind and body, maybe we could talk a little bit about that connection, what that, how that works for self-healing. Well, you know, we spoke a little bit back a few episodes, maybe even in our intro of talking about the reason why this collaboration even came to be Mm -hmm. is because I have a strong belief in that we are one with our head up here and down here, like connected, but we aren't. And we don't even realize how detached we are from our bodies, especially when it comes to traumatic incidences or situations or belief systems or all kinds of things that separate us and we hold them in different parts of, of us. And there's been a lot of information that's come down. Very common book that I've shared with you is The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. A lot of individuals have read this. And it, it that's exactly what it's talking about, the connectedness of our mind and our body. Dr. Van der Kook. Yes. Is it Dr. Bessel? K-O-O-K. I think it's Kook. It may be Cook, but I think it's Kook. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Bessel, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. But it's a substantial amount of work. I've had a, a number of clients read it mm-hmm. and, and find it very insightful and helpful. It's very deep in certain areas and, mm-hmm. and can do some... Un- I would caution sometimes having... Can unlock some things without having the right guidance there with potentially a therapist or someone of that nature. Sure. But it's incredible work and it talks about exactly how we connect the two yeah. together. Well, <clears throat> it is... I am, I'm glad you brought up the collaboration that we have. It is of mutual interest to me. My interest in doing this, offering a platform for people to ask questions, it expanded exponentially when I came across your interest. Mm -hmm. Because while my my side of the house might be on physical training and understanding proper nutrition and form and and that, mine's limited to essentially what I see for a person from 60 to 90 minutes in a day and what exposure they may have for the exercise or what we're trying to do as far as goals physically. But the mental, emotional part of it, that collaboration, as I've said before, everything above the shoulders of psychology and psychiatry, the mental state, this is all biology and and, um, physiology and anatomy. I can't do, these don't work together, simpatico, unless I understand what what I want to do here. And as an example, if somebody is pursuing physical fitness for a method of losing weight, but there's some trauma that's involved with that. Absolutely. I can't, all the exercise in the world, I can't undo bad habits that are formed. Bulimia, anorexia, all of these things. These are mani- these are manifested in the physical body. However, they're started up here, right? They're started and they're nestled into there. So we need to unearth those things and rewrite that rewrite that script, right? Yeah. When we talk about, and we'll talk a lot more in upcoming, you know, episodes around body dysmorphia mm-hmm. and the hmm. idea of hmm. how- I might know something about that. You might know something about that. Mm-hmm. You might know something about that. Lots of bodybuilders have body well, dysmorphia. You know, one of the things, you know, little sidebar here, and that is, you know, we are quick to, in our society, make light and joke about our insecurities. And sure. And- our challenges. I don't even want to call them weaknesses. I think they're just part of our humanity. And I see a lot of reels about how I started going to the gym and didn't realize I was going to gain, you know, body dysmorphia. Yeah. And it's like funny, but not funny kind of thing. <clears throat> even I just chuckled at it, but I'm just saying that's an unintentional, like then. And what I like to, to encourage an open thought is that there's a shift there. This does give me something if you're going to the gym and you're finding results and you're finding it does great things for your mm-hmm. brain because it chemically will do great things for mm-hmm. your brain. Mm-hmm. And you're finding noticeable results in your physique mm-hmm. and in your overall health. You're like, all right, these are all these things. So my gains almost become an addiction of, well, I can't not have those because then what else do I have? Sure. And as therapists, I would say, whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes just a second. Let's yeah. talk about great that you have this and, and that you feel there's a complete great physical aspect of that. Yeah. But let's talk about, you know, when that journey started 
who were you then and who are you now? And yeah, how right. are these things, you know, there's lots of, a lot of times we're like, oh, here we go. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's kind of true because we trade, we trade one thing for another we, all, all the time. The- we won't go too far down this rabbit hole, but so I wasn't very big when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. All my brothers were much, much bigger than me, but the difference was that I'd always been strong. And when I found my way into the gym, that became my, that began my, my venture into weightlifting and training. That was my solace, right? That was my place to be something different. So as I started to set myself aside, even as I approach the age of 60, there's still things that I don't do, right? You, you don't see me in short sleeve shirts. You don't see me in shorts. You don't. Still, still to this day. Still to this day. Yeah. yeah. I will. I know some great colleagues. I know. <laughs> I, yeah. It's, it is strange. It's those things are just, they're put into your, they're put into your head. And could I undo them? Sure. It's not like they're critical. They're not crippling, but it is curious that those things still exist, you know? It was interesting because I will say that when we started training together, well, actually, when you were beginning our process, when you were my trainer, I said to you, I'm like, I'm going to get you in a t-shirt. Like, I was like, like, oh my goodness, you're going to show off those elbows. <laughs> and and I did a couple you, of times. You yeah, did. I, I know, you I did. Know. I was very, I, I was okay, very encouraged you go, by you. you. So good job. So those elbows have been hidden since. So get off my back, psychotherapist. <laughs> okay. So what is it in the... So let's parse that out there just yeah. a little bit more. So the psychologic and the physical. So what is it that we need to balance so that a person can find balance, right? So you're in there and you're just banging away at the weights, but you still have these really bad dark habits. And I always, you know, there are many things that haunt us, alcohol, pornography, abuse, big T, little T trauma, all of these things. So why is that so important that we have balance? Why is it so important that we're not just slaying the demons in the gym, but when the lights go out, you're left with yourself. You're left with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is that so important? Because you're left with yourself. Right. And all the things you look back on of what you think you should have been or what you're not, you know, kind of, it. and I, I want to be delicate when I say falling into a pit of self-pity of like, I can't believe, you know, I shouldn't think these things and why am I the way that I am kind of mentality. And the balance there is, okay, so I've got some things that I've done in my past who hasn't, but I'm not trying to minimize, but how do I'm not, why am I living there? Mm-hmm. Why do I continuously revolve yeah. in the state that I'm no longer in? Yeah. Well, I have to figure out because I will tell you the body remembers where your trauma took place. Sure. So understand that's again, back to understanding how trauma affects your body. And even when it's the slightest recall of, you know, a traumatic event or experience or something that really significantly bothered you, we tend to have this brush off. Like someone may, let's say someone brushed against your arm and there was something about it that was discomforting and you responded poorly and maybe you shifted quickly or something. Mm -hmm. You almost, you know, attack yourself of, why did you do that? Like, what are you Mm. wrong with you? Mm. Like, there's nothing... I mean, this person was walking by. What is wrong? You know, this internal dialogue of Mm -hmm. dismantling how and why you responded. Well, there's a reason. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, like I said, you have to, but you do have to reveal a little bit with yourself what that is. Be, you know, there's a reason. Maybe I was being protective or maybe there's something else. Or maybe I'm just in denial about some other things that's going on with me. Yeah. And that's the self-diving part that's stopped. Yeah. Yeah. We'll explore this in another talk. I could go on quite a while for examples of people who those things that seem to get twisted or amplified beyond a healthy norm via alcohol drugs steroids stuff like that that had to do with, to do with sports those things were just amplified and you kind of wonder well, why is that kind of like that but it was just amplified it was, it's almost it just in the dr and jekyll mr hyde thing mr hyde comes out and well uh, we don't he can't for some reason, you can't cap that. You can't stop him showing up. Well, we'll, um, we'll talk about that. Some yeah. Time. Another part, just when we talk about that, you know, how addressing physical and emotional aspects can simultaneously contribute to your self-healing. Mm-hmm. Understanding is yourself is key. Something that popped into my head on a personal side of my uh, family is there's an individual realized that, I mean, would get outright irate, ragefully angry when people would go to tickle them. Like oh. the response was not, I mean, it didn't matter if it was, a, you know, a child or an adult, like 
well, I was like, wow, that is a strong response, like for, you know, an initial kind of (laughs) teasy type of interaction. And come to find out that this person was horrifically harassed as a child in a set, you know, just in, in tickled to, and just tortured by it, really not funny. And that's, it solidified. That's exactly, there's no playful touch there. There's no kind interaction. It's just torment. It's received every time as torment. And that's the misfortune for that individual because that's where they cycled in any interaction until that's identified and kind of went through and saying, oh, that this isn't, I'm not being attacked or belittled or made fun of. Yeah. Yeah. I was tormented by my brothers. Yeah. We were raised in a very large cabin in Colorado, top of a mountain. And we slept downstairs and my parents slept upstairs. And my, I was much younger. My brothers were much older and I would go start up the stairs and they would shut off the lights in the stairway. And all I could see was the light at the top of the stairs and they'd pound on the stairs and freak me out. Oh, well, that's horrible. Yeah, I know. That's not very good. So now I can't use stairs. Anyway, moving on. Now we're being a little bit of how do you navigate how do you navigate these this opposition people can have towards finding self help? Right? How do you what's your biggest tool? How do you hold a person's hand and go, look, this is how we're gonna address this, this is how we're gonna talk about um, this stuff? I de- I definitely think my personal perspective and clinical approach is sometimes seen a bit direct. There is an incredibly compassionate towards the individuals that I serve. And, but at some point I think that there is a, an awareness of, okay, so these are the areas that we've looked at and these are the things that you're processing. So I get into the action steps of what they're accountable for their healing. Sure. That's the, probably the biggest pushback. It's like, well, I can come in, you know, you week after week or month after month and kind of regurgitate the same information sure. and process the same thing. But now you want me to do something. Sure. About it. That's when it gets a little yeah. hairy. And I think that I always share, and anyone that knows me well, I and I've shared this with you, I share this with everybody. My job is to put myself out of one and do so as as healthy and as considerately and you know, and hopefully as in, you know, positive impact mm-hmm. for yourself as possible. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that's my goal. And that isn't always been other individuals' feedback around therapy. It's like, well, yeah. you can come here as long as you want. Well, ideally, but you should be not wanting to come here as long right. as you want. You right. should be like, this is an end to to a means to an end. That's what I'm trying to say. Sure. Means to an end. <clears throat> we, and we share that. So yeah, I and yeah, that that sometimes kind of maybe perceives me as a little bit more, like I said, structured therapist mm-hmm. and more direct in into that point of saying, okay, I've been very well known of saying, all right, so now it's time to do something. Yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. And but at some point. There is at some point so much processing and talking and rediscovering to now. Now we have action steps that we need to start yeah. following through. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I know that you love your job, and I know that you're good at it. And yeah. I know that the response. I know that the responses that you get via just the emails that we get that people who seek therapy with you is that, like myself, this is the attractive thing about what I see in the way you treat people. It's it's kind of a no nonsense thing, and okay. I will meet you where you are. We've talked about this before, but we don't want to be, we don't want to keep you there, right? I'll meet you where you are, but you need to see we can't stay here. This is the same in my realm as well. If people come to see me and the goal is to, I want to lose weight. I want to feel better. I want to be more mobile. I want to be more active as I get older. Hey, great. Well, you can't stay where you are. For that to happen, we have to drop the old baggage We need to try as best we can and move on. Mm -hmm. Now, that might take a little time. That might take a lot of time. Right. But the idea is there's a goal over there and I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep prodding you. You're going to have to do it yourself. Right. And self-accountability for this to happen. That's right. I'll give you the tools. I'm here. If you need a little handholding or you need a little homework or you need whatever, I'm here for you. You do the same thing. And that is, okay, we identified some problems here. What are you going to do about it? My dad would always pose to me. You know, I got my head all jammed down on my shoulders and woe is me. My dad would go, okay, what's your mission? You need, you need to re- reflect as basic as you possibly. What, do you, what did you set out to do? Well, let's stick, stay with that. Right. Let's stay with that. Sure. You're not there anymore. You've advanced to here. You're not going all the way back to zero. You're going back to here. Let's go again, right? It is, to be clear, an incredible, delicate journey and balance. It's not, you know, you're just not jumping right in and saying, all right, this, the 
way that that unfolds is a balance in it. There's a lot of delicacy to it. At some point, there is an awareness that mm-hmm. there that should be given on how and what comes next. Yeah, because and these to are be the quite honestly, expect, these are the things I expect of you. Right. Right. Well, quite <clears throat> honestly, that's kind of the individuals. Like, well, I've said this now. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of tired of saying it. I'm mm-hmm. like, I bet. So, mm-hmm. or I'm tired of feeling or thinking or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now there's the tough parts ahead. Mm-hmm. And I, that's where I share the tough parts ahead, the rewiring, the, I, we're talking about decades of behavioral responses and cognitive ways of being, engaging with one another and articulating in a relationship. That isn't anything that changes overnight. Yeah. And that's when the work really comes into play. Yeah, that's right. Yours is far more elaborate than mine. However, there's obviously that element that I bring to them too. And this is what I say. I have the, you you came to me. I have the responsibility to give you truth, guidance, keep you safe, but you're my calling card. I can't have you walking the streets going, that guy's a, you know, guy's a bum. He's trying to kill me. In the same token, I need you to know, this is what I expect to you. Sure. You pay for my services, but you don't pay me to stand around and go, 10, good job, Mm -hmm. right? You got 10. We move on to the next stop. No, I'm going to hold you accountable for all 10. And if 10 is not good enough, we'll do 12. I'm I'm, aware. I'm constantly (laughs) push, to constantly push you is to identify the things that you're, maybe you don't want to go there. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm there. I I get to pull this out and you get it back when the workout's over, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You do the same thing is that you keep relying on this. Stop for a second. Think, Mm -hmm. right? Let's wash this off. Put it back in, right? Let's figure this out how this thing works. I can stand around for 20 years and count to 10, and you'll buy me a new boat and you'll put my kids through college, or I can give you the education, I can give you the tools, go out and live your life. And then when you need me, I'm here for you. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, that's how it should be. That's that's the neat thing that overlaps with what we do. I I very much enjoy it. Are there specific strategies that you use to help your clients? Overcome those. Oh, there's so many strategies. Yeah. strategies. There's just a variety. It's it is definitely a case by case scenario of what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as and I guess I, I kind of honestly because we were talking so much where were we at exactly on on is that the overcoming resistance part? Is that what you're yeah, talking uh-huh. about? Yeah. The strategy is that by the process of treatment, they're creating their own strategies mm-hmm. and they're going to have ways to look at things differently. They're going to be able to access their body in a way that they haven't when be present in their body. They're, you're creating a healthier self in all of this. Right. And it's a discovery process. It's a, again, yeah. a delicate balance. It's a journey. It's a, all the things. It's wonderful in process. If you can get to the end. It, it <laughs> or, is. Well, the evolving piece, I shouldn't say there's an end. I want to be clear on that. It, it is, but no, there's no buts. The similarities between what you do and I do are fascinating. People really are not aware of what they can do until they try. And sometimes they don't try. So to encourage somebody is to take people to sometimes to write to where they just are so uncomfortable doing that. But I'll keep you safe. You'll keep them safe. We'll go through this together. But we're going to explore some things. We're going to explore new movements, new exercises, which are mental and physical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we're going to all, I'm there. I'm your safety net. If at any time, we just back off. But there's a huge reward in overcoming something I've never done before, right? And that's, we know, you know, through your studies, we also know because we listen to Peterson talk about this all the time, but it's not that I can cure you of your insecurities. It's that I can make you stronger at at facing those insecurities. Jordan always talks- to be honest, I can't. You can make yourself that's stronger. Right, that's right. Yeah, you're the one that has all the power right. here. You just have to discover where it's at. The fear, he uses an example of somebody who's afraid of an elevator, right? They view an elevator as a vertical coffin. And I walk in there, I'm dead. I'm just going to die. I'm going to die a horrible. We go, okay, well, let's start wherever we need to start where you can get some control over this. Can you look at a picture of an elevator? Okay. So you can look at a picture. Can you watch a movie about an elevator? Sure. I would probably steer you away from these disaster movies where people <laughs> are dying elevators. But in all reality, could you go to a mall and watch people go up and down in an elevator? Can you stand within 10 feet? Can you stand within 5 feet? I slowly progress you towards those things. And when you're when the day comes that you can get in an elevator and ride it up, clutching the hand of somebody next to you, but you did it. Mm-hmm. And you didn't overcome fear. You're, you're fearful. I'm rationalizing 
I did it, mm-hmm. right? I, I did it. And if I had to, I could do it again. Now, mm-hmm. there'll be times you'll be really strong in it. And sometimes something might trigger you. Now, this is only an example. Sure. But when we have these triggers that kind of send us back into thing, that's when we find our therapist. That's when we find our trainer. That's when we, that's when we find the, these people who do have the knowledge and the passion and the willingness and the skill to guide us back on track, right? I couldn't agree more. Yeah. What else do you know about the... What else do I know? Trauma, big T, little T trauma. If a person has a history of trauma, how do you, what are some really good in trauma-informed approaches to contribute towards the self-healing? Process? Well, I think that one of the things I want to talk about really quickly, and I, I mean notation about this, I was kind yeah. of, I kind of made quite a bit as I started to look down at this. I'm like, oh, I meant yeah, a lot more than That's I- a lot of typing over there. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mostly circles. <laughs> but I think understanding the trauma informed approach and being a, what it means to be a trauma informed therapist that's very well, you know, conversed about nowadays and everyone's talking about yeah. um, that. And it's just a, a broad spectrum of understanding trauma and how it impacts an individual's life and in a wide variety of ways. Now, mm-hmm. what I have is just understanding that how you're aware of how a little bit what you were just talking about providing um, a safe environment for an individual to come in and be able to release what's kind of going on in their mind and maybe, you know, what they're feeling in their body in a safe environment that they feel that they can, you know, expose that type of thought process to. Mm -hmm. You're gathering information. You're aware of how you're trained, how to gather information from an individual on body language and you know, a lot of motivational interviewing techniques and styles around understanding what triggers a client. So you're not trying to re-traumatize someone when it comes in there and you're kind of poking holes at like trying to figure out what's going on. This, a clinician should be able to understand how I, you know, receive this information in from an individual as delicately and as possible without, you know, traumatize, further secondary traumatizing. This goes into giving trust and empowerment to the client because you want them to be able to understand that my goal in all of this is to help you see your, you, your potential, your person, that whatever you, and they're like, well, I don't really like me, so I don't really want to see that. I'm like, yeah, well, there's going to be a healed part of you that's going to be incredibly exceptional. Future you. And that's your favorite word to say, future future. Yeah. Being able to give a a great understanding of impact of the brain and the body and how those two correlate and they should be responding to one another. And they generally are, but sometimes poorly and how to share that with your client and, and educate them in whatever, you know, experience that they may have had and, you know, provide that understanding so they can then make that applicable so, in their life. So, so just out of curiosity, and I think I know the answer to this, but you, I think you would agree. It's, it's as, all elements are important. For instance, when did it happen? Where did it happen? How does it happen? When does it reoccur? It's a, it's, it's a very long process. That's why, yeah. you know, recently there is a lot of discussion around having coverage and things of that nature for individuals saying, well, I need to let my insurance carrier know how many sessions that I'm going to need. It's very taxing frustrating because that's not how this works. That's right. Um, having someone come across you and you, it's almost like you never know what you're going to get a little box of chocolates kind of idea yeah, yeah. because though we have a treatment plan that we have designed together and we have a course and a direction that mm-hmm. we're going to pursue down, life doesn't always work like that. And sometimes this came out of left field that I don't even know how this or why this is bothering me. So that we have to divert and then we have to well, kind you, of you can correct reassess. Me. You can correct me though, but you're required to diagnose. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Di- diagnosis has On to first be- On first session. A- yeah, yeah. 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 Isn't that crazy? <laughs> In your first session, you have to render some type of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Yeah. What? That's the process, isn't That's it? That's the process. Yeah. That is the process. But, you know, um, fortunately, we know that with good therapists, they can hone in on that, right? Yeah, they absolutely. Can absolutely. Yeah. And a diagnosis, I think, is so, I would say, misrepresented or misunderstood. And now this is an unfortunate that I think in our society that it's almost a, a popularity contest of who has what. Mm. And that's not at all that much like I had <clears throat> shared um, earlier than when we talk about the goal is not getting rid of anxiety. The goal is managing anxiety. Well, the goal is managing yourself in whatever impairment you're suffering, yeah. whether it be, you know, rapid thinking and spiraling thoughts and, okay, so I've got to learn how to, okay, I tend to do this. These, okay. 
once you get to know you more and you give yourself a little bit of compassion, maybe some grace around why I am the way that I maybe discover why that is. And then, all right, so what do I need to do to really address this? Versus just constantly cycling. So I'm going to tell tell myself just a little bit. So I don't do, I don't do well in crowds. I don't like. Oh, I'm aware. I don't like crowds. So concerts and I do okay with movies if I'm with other people, but it is very much just a managing thing. And I catch a little flack from people who don't understand that I don't do well. This has to do with the neurosis. When we took our, when we took our personality Mm -hmm. test, this is one of those things I thought my neurotic, I would have scaled up on their Mm -hmm. neuroticism, but it is very much a manageable thing. Mm-hmm. Right, it's I an just, awareness. I, it's yeah, it's just so a, much. If I could just share how much, if we could be more aware of ourselves, but mm-hmm. we are so aware of everybody else, yeah. Mr. Crowds, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and understanding what am I aware of within me? Well, that's very, well, then it's like, well, what if I am aware of all these things <clears> and I can't control them? And then I'm, oh my goodness. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Perfect example <laughs> is the gym, right? So well, we talk about this all the time about people who come to me and they'll go, you know, I wouldn't be here except if it was for you. Mm-hmm. I get that. I get mm-hmm. that. But they're so uncomfortable with being in the gym that if I wasn't there, they wouldn't come. Well, that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But I realize now that example is the same as mine, right? What we have to help people understand is they're not thinking about you. They don't care. You're not, you're invisible to them. They're doing their own thing. Maybe they're even lost in their own image in the mirror. That's very possible. But the whole the whole fact is they're not thinking about you. So you stop thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Just do your thing, right? Just do your thing. Right. And it, and it sounds a lot easier than it really is. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. sounds a lot easier. One thing that I wanted to talk about when we were talking about modalities, something that I'm trained in tree is, and I've talked about it before, mm-hmm. EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a mouthful, mm-hmm. but nerd, it's a, the way I kind of was thinking about how to best represent this is like a somatic experience and it's body oriented approaches. And that this is something that helps with the trauma and that go with cognitive and somatic levels of what's going on for you. So it, it's treating both things. Okay, so break it down, layman language for the somatic. As in what's going on in your body? Yeah. Okay, so I, the best way to, I always see kind of thinking about you're presently aware of what's going on in your body. And to really go into that further, I mean, I would really have to, and I, I can't. Um, with EMDR, it's an incredible treatment for individuals, especially there's a lot of research. The biggest that it's been well known for mm-hmm. is PTSD for veterans and law enforcement individuals of that nature. Post-traumatic and stress disorder. Mm-hmm. That, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's fine. <laughs> well, there's lots of acronyms in the medical terminology. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. And yeah. And I think PTSD is in everyone. Yeah. And again, I don't want to venture off everyone. There's different ways people are, when you're diagnosed with PTSD, there's a different understanding of that. That's sure, sure. Put. But with EMDR, it's, I, you know, the best for me when I see it as you're keeping someone is an entire protocol of having someone so body aware of what's going on with them, mm-hmm. but they're like on a train, if you will, and they step off the train and they look at maybe a circumstance or something that's taken place in their life. Mm-hmm. And kind of processing what went on then and there and kind of like a foot in the present and the past. Mm -hmm. So staying intact with your body the whole time. And there's a numerous amount of things that this protocol will cause for. So there's your, we teach about containment and how to be safe for yourself. Allies, there's, I just feel like I'm doing a quick synopsis of it, that it's much deeper than that. But it's an incredible treatment Mm -hmm. for individuals to use. Well, for psychotherapist trained in it efficiently to use for clients yeah. to treat areas of PTSD and yeah. other areas of trauma. Tell me about cognitive brain, cognitive behavioral therapy. Well, that's a very, it's a very popular one. A lot of agencies and companies go and have individuals that are kind of maybe struggling with different levels of performance mm-hmm. around going and say, you know, maybe you could, you know, use some cognitive behavioral therapy. It's very common therapeutic approach on restructuring how we process things and how we continue to spiral in a way of thinking about something obsessively and catastrophizing it to a point where we just kind of get into a state of despair. We can't get out of it. Hmm. Well, and being able to almost attack, restructure the thought and address it in a way of 
there's a lot of co- a common one is, will this bother you two weeks from now? Will this bother you a year from now, five mm-hmm. years from now, things of that nature. And again, I'm making a quick you know, description of it. It, it. it can be very successful. One of the things that I've noticed, or I've, I've, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but is internal families system. Yeah, that is one that I mean notations on that one as well, but is another um, theory that or modality, I should say that I use and being able, well, let me kind of, I'm hopping now, sorry, to wrap up CBT. That is really um, beneficial. I have seen that it goes further than just thinking about a thought that we have sometimes our trauma is deeper within us mm-hmm. and having us take that deep dive in within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, internal family systems, it is composed of that we are, which is my favorite part, is that we are various parts of ourselves and each have its own perspective and function. Um, these parts can be protective, wounded, or carry specific roles based on past experiences. So these roles kind of represent themselves, certain parts of our lives. Mm. And not to be confused as if someone were to say you have a personality disorder. No, we, I would always say that maybe it's a trait versus if you want to call it versus a part, you could call it a trait. I, let's see, let's pick on Liz for a minute. I don't like public Public speaking speaking. at all. So I'll pass. (laughs) Thank God for the camera. (laughs) I guess that's taken me how long do you, it's just, that's still a thorn in my side. It's still a thorn in my side. And I... I will do everything possible not to put myself in the circumstances. So yeah. even in a group, when I'm called upon yeah. to respond, I get very uncomfortable yeah. with that. And I try and, and get out of that as quickly as possible. And so, but then at, sometimes I can just pull out a part of me where it's like, you just got to do it. You got to power through. And inside there's other parts of me that I'm just, there's like this internal, like, this is second to life, I'm, right? I'm out dying, of me, yeah. please make this stop. <clears throat> so, and I, I, so I am working on this. So if I'm, if I can get this right, in your office, you have these things on the bottom shelf <laughs> of these little characters. Yes. It's from a movie, right? Yes. Yeah. And I, I didn't see the movie, so I don't know what it is, but you have one that's like your temper and you have one that's mm-hmm. scared and. Inside it, out. And most therapists know exactly what that is. Inside of the movie. Yeah. And then the idea, real quick, this enough, yeah. the, the overall piece of this movie is this little girl, as she's developing, she's developing all these emotions. And then yeah. she has anger and she has disgust. She has joy, sadness, and fear. Yeah. So that's what those characters represent. Mm-hmm. And those things sometimes manifest themselves. So they literally shove somebody out of the way and another takes their place. Correct. Right. That, so, and that's a perfect, yeah. you know, example of like maybe a little bit like what kind of clump comes into play and what role we kind of get stuck in at yeah. sometimes of our lives. We we play a role for yeah. But having when we talk about an integrated self, when we're all whole, we pull yeah. all these parts together and there's a lot of awareness to it. That's a that's a really healed individual that's done a lot of significant work. Yeah. Yeah. But so anyhow, so I I like public speaking is by no means I think it's one of the top rated, top ranked thing for fear of people have. Well, you know, I will tell you how I discovered my dislike of speaking in public or anywhere that anyone wants to put attention on me. And that is through my EMDR training. When Mm -hmm. I was going through EMDR, they said, you know, try and think of it as something that you'd want to work on. I'm like, I really should work on this public speaking. Yeah. And through my experience and going through that, I discovered and I shared, I don't know what episode I shared this in, but in fourth grade, Mrs. Dahl's class where she made me stand up in for my social story, studies yeah. class. And she had me read something and everyone's eyes were on me. And I just felt like everyone was laughing. And Mrs. Dahl was like, sorry, Miss Dahl. I don't even know if she's around or where she's at. But anyways, she was just like, just get like, she was like, get through it, just finish it. And like rushing me and I was stuttering and I could to this day because it's the body keeps yeah. the score. I felt the warmth in my neck. I felt my voice start yeah, to shake. The ears fly and fire I, and yeah, I was like, cheek. oh my goodness, this is terrible. <clears throat> it's gotten much better as I have worked yeah, on it. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's important that we know how these things lodge in us and it's not so quickly yeah. to dislodge. Yeah. It's like it, that's funny because I was crippling shy when I was a kid and I've talked talking to me. I've talked through most of this, trying to reason through most of this stuff. But one of the best advice I could give people, the total side note about speaking in public is I no longer try to speak to the public. I'm speaking to one person. Right? That's what they, works for you. They just, yeah, they're just sitting out there. 
I'm just speaking to one person. Mm -hmm. And then pretty soon your knowledge carries you through the conversation, right? You just have to butter the toast a little bit, right? Whatever makes whatever makes the crowd flow, it kind of feeds back to you. But I've fallen flat on my face. And actually what I well, the the only thing I can tell that brought me any um healing to the falling on my face was the humor that I found later on. A presentation given at a podium in a brand new suit. You know how I knew it was a new suit? Because the sticker to my suit nice. was right there on my sleeve. Nice. Everybody got to see oh, it. Oh, yes. good. Yes. good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, those are well, funny so things in life, right? It, it is, but I will tell you. So what reinforces that fear, right? So that experience of me in yeah. fourth grade. So let's just pull Liz apart here a little bit. Any experience from that moment on yeah. that had any attention on me <clears throat> just recreated that, that yeah. fear base, that you know, insecurity, all of the things. So I was in, you know, in my church choir and I was like, I had someone's like, Hey, you know, do you want to do a solo? Dear heavens? No, I would <laughs> ever, never, ever. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And my choir, our choir um, pastor was like, no, I think it'd be really great. I'm like, I think it'd be really terrible. Not a good idea. So every time there was like this idea of even perceived for spotlight, I was just solidifying how much I did not want to be yeah. seen. And that kind of played a role all the way through yeah. the, the entirety of my youth into young adulthood. And so, I mean, I detested group projects yeah. at school yeah. just because I'm like, do we have to do a group presentation? Yeah. I'm like, I will do anything to get out of this. Yeah. Here's 10 bucks. Right. And it still didn't work. I still had to get through it. And I had to wait till, you know, much earlier later on in the life to discover maybe, and it's gotten better. So yeah. it's not like. So how long does something like this take and how can I measure the progress a person makes? It is such this, this self-healing. How did how long can this take? It's as open, it's going to take as long as a person, you know, is resistant. They're resistant to because change is hard. Yeah. What if, and this is the other side of change, is I will be different. I will think different. I will talk different. I will hmm. care about myself differently. I will carry myself differently. Yeah. And what if Everybody that's around me, that's my support system, doesn't like that. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah, I mean, what if it changes how I talk at work? What if it changes how I talk in my relationship? Yeah. What if my expectations of me change? Well, then there's a domino effect of the expectations around me. So yeah. there's like all of this risk. And I, I call it a cost-benefit analysis with individuals of like when I go to look at what is this? What's a cost-benefit analysis right, of right. this? But on the other side of that, how will I feel about myself? And how, what will I know about myself? It's not just about what you feel. Yeah. So what will I know? It's like, okay, yeah, this was necessary to get here, but it just, the, so that there, the timeline on that is, is. And this is, this would be your message to a client or patient to look, this is what you could, this is what you should expect. Mm -hmm. But in your life, I can't tell you how this will turn out, but I can just say, you are going to find a new you that mm -hmm. you're very much going to find peace with. You're going to find internal family systems 101. You're going to find parts of yourself that you lost so long ago that you get to give compassion to, and you yeah. get to love on and you get to say, or you get to put, pull out those parts and say, you know, you did me a disservice. So I've got to kind of reevaluate how you, I utilize you in my life. Yep. All of these things are great things. Yeah. Initially it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, no. Or it doesn't, you know, it's not a great experience. Like everything. There, there's a learning period. There's a birthing period. There, man, there's highs and lows. There's no straight line well, and I, in I any of this. The idea around therapy is that you go in, you talk about problems. This person tells you what to do with your problems. We are not advice givers. That right. is the misrepresentative. Yeah, Sorry, I get very fiery about that because we, just we are not that. advice givers. We are processors yeah. of what's going on with someone. And yes, we have a level of education that we're going to encourage you to open, you know, that your mind's eye to how this happens and, and what we know about behaviors and, and generational upbringing and trauma mm -hmm. and childhood trauma of just occurrences that have happened in your life for you to be able to dismantle them and look at them differently. It's not a checks and balances as far as when it comes in. So I'm going to do this and will this be right? And should I do this? And should this be right? Yeah. And it's not like that. Good point. On my side of the house, it is, I do not have an, any trainer that could say, well, in six weeks, we'll have you this. And in six weeks, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. I can tell you in three to six weeks, you'll find a certain place in your life. And in a month, you'll be able to look, you know, in, <clears throat> excuse me, 
six to nine weeks, you'll be able to look in your mirror and see that something's happening. And in 12 weeks, you're going to begin to feel like a new person. And then a month from then, you'll be this and this. I can tell you that, but I can't tell you. I can't tell you what results you're going to get because I don't, it's going to take a effort on your half. And I don't know what sacrifice. I don't know what you're willing to do. I don't know how hard you're going to charge up this hill. I have no idea. So we have to do this together. But the idea is not to run somebody in my side. I don't need to run you into the ground. I don't need mm-hmm. to break you. I don't need to sour you to the experience. And that's certainly something, certainly we talk about, that's a commonality in the field we have that if we're trying to provide a service to help others, we have to be careful that we carry a lot of power. It's a great deal of responsibility to be a really good trainer. And man, this is a message I wish I could drive home. I know you feel it because you love and you're very good at your job, but to have a certificate hang on your wall and be really bad at your job is a disservice to your public. You need to be, you need to have spent time in the trenches. You need to see it all mm-hmm. and you need to, man, you need to fall on your face a few well, times. Well, and I, and be I tell wrong. you this, therapists need therapists. Yep. So there's no one that doesn't need therapy. Everybody yep. needs therapy. So that's. And you should. You know, just like anything, therapists like prayer. You need to pray when you're up. You need to pray when you're down. You need to see a therapist when you're good. And you need, you know, check in. I call them booster sessions. Yeah, check in. Get yourself, get yourself figured out. Something beyond therapy. How do you encourage clients to continue their uh, self-healing journey? How do they keep going after they, maybe they discontinue with you. Maybe they're separating from you. How do they keep going? So I'm going to say something you might, that is kind of, I have taken it very lightheartedly because I know <clears throat> the work that this calls for an individual and the consideration and compassion that I do my best to provide an individual. Mm-hmm. And that is, I've had people say to me, Liz, I was doing so much better before I started seeing you. <laughs> yeah. And literally, and I'm like, I get it. I yeah. understand. And it's part of the, it's part of the process. Yeah, yeah. And there's like, well, that's okay. You can take your process and put it where it's such a child. But I, I would but, venture to say that those people hadn't been with you very long. No, actually, you know, it's a, a couple, it's it's just dependent upon the journey of, okay, so I always think about a little bit where people are resistant to therapy is like opening that can of worms, mm-hmm. like, you know, or Pandora's box and mm-hmm. you can't put everything back in mm-hmm. and just saying, well, I don't want to kind of start diving into something here that I'm not ready to really filter through and kind of figure out what's going on. This is the client. Potential, yeah, yeah, potentially individuals coming into therapy yeah. or families coming into therapy because I don't know if I'm go- what I'm going to come up against yeah. because I, I like control. And I, I like to know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, again, that's not you how don't this works. Get that. Yeah. But when to encourage someone to maintain their journey of healing is to know that, you know, it sounds a little cliche, but they're not alone. And look at the success of where you're at. I always do. I try my best. I shouldn't say always, but I try my best to share with individuals how honored I am when I see all of the amazing things that they're doing mm-hmm. and help them identify, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit, this kind of goes on both sides of the house here. And that mm-hmm. is, um, you always say that, you know, you couldn't do this push up, you know, you know, two months ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you, when this encounter would happen, how would you use to respond to that? That was really detrimental to you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't, I never thought about that. I don't do that anymore. I'm like, yeah, that's right. like that's, and then it's like all this epiphany and I, you know, like, I can really do this. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, you can really do this. And there's, that's what That is. change can sneak in. Yeah. I mean, you're not, it's not like it's, oh my gosh, you wake up at right. night. I'm not, changed. No. Right. no. It sneaks in and right. then all of a sudden you shock yourself. Oh my gosh, I don't do that anymore. Well, and if you have a mentality, which we do societally wise, in my opinion, where we're always downing ourselves. Yeah. And having someone, hey, hey, for a second, can you consider what you used to do versus what you're doing now? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I guess you're right. Well, that does kind of help yeah. me see. And then I'm like, yeah. tell me more. Then I make them look at, tell me more. What have you noticed? Yeah. What have you noticed? What have you noticed? Cause it's that, okay, I'm uncovering self peace. Yeah. Yeah. In, in training athletes, it's usually always younger athletes, but in training athletes, there's times you have to rein them in. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have these people who just want to take the, you know, they may, they want to, they want to be able to broad jump 30 feet in their first cup. No. And when we begin this, we need you to be, it needs to be incremental. First come to the door every day. We build from there. After that, you do, you develop habits. And then we, we concentrate on form. And then we talk about sets and reps and we move all these things. You're literally in every, 
in every exposure to our time together, you're laying a brick in the road. Mm -hmm. But occasionally, stop, turn around and look how far you've come, right? Look how far you've come. If you're just constantly going to be looking, grind. Yeah. If, if you're just constantly going to be looking to the top of the mountain, and I'll never do that. Can you see the next step? Take that one. Mm -hmm. Just take that one. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about the next one tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. But you realize you're halfway up the mountain. All of the sniveling and complaining and all that, would you look how far you've come? And when they finally do that, hopefully, there's nothing worse than to have a just a sourpuss as a client, you know, just a oh, well, who's me, Eeyore kind of thing. No, you need to well initially to someone may come in and not have any perspective uh, but doubt. Yeah, but yeah. Self doubt and and, oh, yeah. and not having the ability to see, you know, the next step of I have the other part of that is when individuals want to come in and say, so that's very, you know, driven on here are some things that I've been looking at. I'd like to address these things. Yeah. How long do you think I need to see? I share with everyone that, you know, initially this is how I start treatment yep. and we have to kind of see where we go and what yeah. we find and then we'll go from there. And then yeah. it's like, okay, but I think it's the idea of like a nip tuck, like perfect little package oh, sure. of take it, a pill. It, and then resolve. Like it's simple. Yeah. Can I take a pill and yeah. an app and call you once a week? This is something you say, but this is something I say. You didn't kind of think this way overnight. You didn't become that, or act this way overnight. That's and right. now it's like, I want to address these things. It doesn't change overnight. That's right. It won't. You can't undo that stuff that quick. In your personal growth. Can you share any cases? Does anything come to mind in any cases that have you've seen just this transformation? Now, well, I wouldn't first, identify first, a first, first, first. Let me pull back. I'm going to pull back the curtain. When we first started training, mm -hmm. right? This isn't on the psychotherapy side, but this is on the this is kind of on your your mental side towards training. You've done this a thousand times. This has never worked out. I've never this. I've never. You were very. Negative, negative about it. You're very I negative was, about well, it. Well, I was just informing you how I was not going to be successful. Oh, yeah, I know. You were laying down there. I wasn't going to be successful. But I said to you. Okay. I mean. Why would you not be? Right. Right. Yes. Why, I mean, I'm why, trying to remember. Exactly. It, it just seemed like you, you didn't care that I knew that I was going to fail. Like that was my, I was just like, listen, I don't want you to have like hope, big hopes and dreams for me here. Yeah. I'm not going to be an athletic. Yeah, I don't yeah. have an athletic build. I'm not an, I've never sure. been in any athletics in my entire sure. life. Don't expect me to be lifting anything ridiculous. Sure. I'm sure. just like, I was like sure. letting you know the yeah. package that, that. Was but as, as progress was made mm -hmm. and habits were formed sure. and things changed. Mm -hmm. And then when they changed, you go, holy smokes. But it's not until you're a little ways down the trail that you go, look how far I came. Look how far I came. And yeah. now it's changed for you drastically. And I, I want to tell people a story of, I midwifed my children. I, get, I delivered both my kids with midwives. Now, anyway, I can remember hearing people talk to midwives and going, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. And midwife go, because they know when the time comes, <laughs> you're going to do exactly what I told you to do, because that's how it's done. That's how babies have been born forever and ever. You can say all these things, but I don't care what you say. It's going to happen. Right. Now, it's inevitable, too, because you are having a baby, right? You're forced into it. Fight it. Bump your heads into it all you want. It's still going to be. Now, let's you and I get on this. Let's row in the same direction mm -hmm. and you're going to see that it's, you'll make more and more progress and it's more enjoyable. Too. Well, I'm, I'm uh, utilizing me as, as a keen example of, of coming into a situation. I mean, I was just letting you know, like, this isn't going to be like, yeah. a, you know, your gold star winner. Yeah. Which, because that's the way I perceived the situation. That's the way yeah. I felt about myself. Yeah. And as Month one went by. I'm like, see, told you, one pound, not worth it. Yeah. But that's okay. I paid for it, so I'll still keep coming. You were setting the bar very low, and okay. Mm -hmm. But to me, I've been doing it. I've been doing it long enough to go, Liz. Just keep doing this, and you kept doing it. And now, then, my driven personality traits. Mm -hmm. Some might call stubborn, but driven personality. Traits yeah, driven. Go with that one. Go ahead. Is that I didn't. I have a, I wanted to push and see and push and see. And when I felt like kickback from you or pushing me back of like, yeah. well, you could do this. I'm like, yeah, I can do this because that's my purse. That's a part yeah. of me. It's one of my parts. Yeah. And then I'm like, all right. So, and it's like, you, you can do this. Yes, I can do this. And I will. Well, what unintentionally happened is I fell in love with what I was doing 
when I started feeling good about me, I fell in love with me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so great. I told you, I love the strength feeling. Yeah. Like when I felt strong, I talked to some other females about this. Like there's nothing, it's different for a woman to, and you would have to be a woman to understand that. Yeah. The feeling of strength that you have never felt before, then it was like, oh, well, this is great. Like yeah. I'm going to keep doing this. And by then- yeah, and I, I could use a hundred different people that I've, that I've seen all go through this. But I can remember the first time we ever, the first time I ever had you jump up in a big way. And like, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. And you did. You're like, oh, man. I, go, yeah, I was surprised. No, go to the next one. And you go to the next one. Wow. I, yeah. Yeah, you did it. Now, that happens with everyone. I have a real a close friend. His name's Shane. And he lost 57 pounds in 15 weeks. Much to his credit, he did that for his wedding. He drove himself literally to crying. I'm not telling stories. He drove himself so hard that he would break mm. down crying. Mm. And I thought to myself, I, I have more respect for a person. He drove mm. himself so hard. It was like this emotional thing. And I would have to go, are you all right, Shane? He goes, yep, let's keep going. And he'd keep going. I'm like, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. He's, I've told him before, I, I have trained, I've trained professional athletes. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anybody push himself that hard. He was that focused on on doing that. Man, just respect. I don't, I can't give you more respect than that. But the whole idea is he did that for him. And to see all these changes and when he melt, you know, he lost 57 pounds in 15 weeks. That's for a man. That's amazing. And he went to his wedding and he had a great time and right? Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Everybody can do that. No, I'm not this topic isn't about that. It's about when you find a person who can recognize what does it take with this person? Do I need to be, do I need to be more passive? Do I need to let this person experience these things? Or do you give them a, or do I challenge them and go, I'm, I'm not hearing that. Keep going. Mm -hmm. If if they'll keep going, that, that's the point. That's the hard nosed mentality. You break a person through the thing and they look back and they go, wow, I didn't think I could do that. Yeah. I could see it in you. Your therapist can see it in you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we're after. Yeah. Dearly. So a couple more questions. We should wrap this up yeah, yeah. because we don't want people to be too bored by yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? All um, right. There's some closing ideas. What are your insights? What are, you, what are, you know, we believe that people are incredible. Oh, my insight is the, the ability that the human race has is far beyond the what we were actually seeing today and you know not do historical but historically the ability to persevere and to be more for self mm -hmm. is incredible you absolutely have it it's been the joy of my who, career who should to, they do it for well absolutely for themselves i for tell everyone yeah. anyone that comes in and says hey so-and-so thinks i should be here my spouse mother father brother sister uncle aunt cousin yeah. don't do it what don't do, you do it yeah then, what, do you, what do you think well it's like, no, I'm going to do this for them. And then yeah, that's it's wrong. being able to say, no, like you are so incredible. You need to do this for you. Yeah. And that could be a discovery process. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but you need to do this for yourself. Mm -hmm. And the insight is that you are more capable than you ever understand when you start accessing yourself yeah. and your abilities and just knowing who you are. Yeah. And it's really great. Well, I know that you, awesome. I know that you love your career and I know that you, you love your profession. I, I think you would agree with me. We don't, we're not doing this for the money. Obviously look at our bank accounts, but the whole point is <laughs> that's funny. the whole point <laughs> is money. The funny thing about my, and I, I just, Nancy, who is an 83 year old female that I trained, she's a wonderful woman. She goes, don't you get tired of being enthusiastic all the time? She said that today. Oh, did she? And I go, you know, in almost 40 years of training, I've never been, I've never had a lack of enthusiasm to help people train. Mm -hmm. Because when people really want to train, it's enthusiastic to me. I mean, I feed off that. You feed it. But to see them do more and more, and then I get to see them progress. They don't, they get to see themselves all the time, but I get to see them incrementally. And when I get to see them and they change, I'm like, hmm. And then I point out, hey, you know, you couldn't do that before. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. So that's the incremental part of change too, that they're not aware of. I'm, I've tricked you into thinking this is all just sets and reps. And no, it's not. You're growing mm -hmm. in your mental fortitude and your determination. And even in the future you, because that's what I try to tell, tell people is stop thinking about you. What do you want to be? What do you want to be? You know, my sons have heard the lesson this, in their entire lives. 
if you want to be an astronaut, if you want to be a firefighter, if you want to be a brain surgeon, if you want to be a pro golfer, great. Be all of those things. Have a resume that looks like a roll of toilet paper, just rolls out the door. Do everything, but be good at it. Be good right. At it. That's and ideally. then you'll find a way to do it just like you. Right, you're good at it. You enjoy it, and well, you've given me a lot of kudos. I humbly, well, you are good at. It. I appreciate that, but I just, I do have. I feel compassionately led to do what I do, and I, yeah, I hope that it's effective. Yeah. What are your closing thoughts on this? So the idea when we started was like the wrestling with yourself and your soul, and maybe mm-hmm. your person. That if you ever wanted to start this endeavor, do so with a professional would be my first encouragement. Yeah. And take the strength and the compassion and, and try it mm-hmm. and be compassionate to mm-hmm. yourself. It's all the things you think that you are and that you probably aren't. You know, everyone's had and made really significant, terrible choices in their life. Yeah. It was a point of your life. It's not where you're at now. And even if it is, it doesn't have to be where you stay. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So it's a lot of courage, but you can. You can- it will happen. It if you let it happen. It won't happen. Yeah, it won't happen overnight. It may not happen in a week or a month. But if you keep at it, right, if you keep mm-hmm. at it, and everybody that comes into my training facility, they're only on 90-day contracts. If you feel like you want to stay with me for another 90 days, we just do it again. We sign your contract. But the emphasis is that we're here to help you go live life, come back and see me, right? Mm-hmm. Like body mechanics, we want to make sure that you're up and running and heart, body, and soul, right? Ideally. Yeah. Good job. This is a good talk. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for putting me on the spot. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. yeah sure. Mm, whatever. Well, thanks, everyone. Please go and like yeah. and share and do all the things. And thanks for listening. Yep. All right, guys. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.